Hey everybody, this is Keith Rainwater with the Designated Drummer Podcast. Welcome out to the show. Welcome here. Welcome to my podcast. And I have a very special guest slash co-host today. Um, she's not really so much a guest, but she is a co-host. It's my daughter, Amelie Rainwater. She's joining me today. Hi, Amelie. Hi. <laughs> it's so good to, good to have you here. We're, we're out here in what they call the She Shed. It's at Amelie's house here in Ontario, Canada. And um, it's a little shed out back that's like a little office for her mom to do her little business and podcasts and things like that. Anyway, um, so we're out here. So this week's um, episode, we're going to talk about practicing. Now, I know that um, a few months ago, I had another podcast that I did called Practice Practice, and it just kind of dealt with the basics of you know, what's good about practicing and where you should practice. And so I covered a couple of things. But um, this time I'm going to cover a lot more about practicing. And the reason I have Amelie along here, one of the reasons, is she's going to read off questions that I have gotten over the last, I say, year or so or something like that from uh, drummers, from students, from listeners who have questions uh, pertaining to practice, like uh, all different aspects of practicing, like, um, you know, what do you practice and where do you practice and when do you practice, all that kind of stuff. So Amelie's going to read off the questions to me um, from my, some of my listeners and students and things like that. And uh, is that okay with you, Amelie? Yep. Can you handle it? Yep. All right, try. cool. Okay, so um, I, I want to mention that um, I pick Amelie up from school every day. I take her to school and pick her up at this high school called Aldershot high school mm-hmm. Aldershot because we're in a little part of Canada called Aldershot and what a lot of people don't know is that is the high school that Jim Carrey you know pet detective and all that that went to that was his high school and uh, I have to say that every morning that I drop you off at school and there's like a left door and a right door and I and the, my mind just immediately goes to hey I wonder which door Jim Carrey went through when he went here you know <laughs> And uh, you were saying earlier that uh, you were shocked to know that hardly anybody knew that. I mean, that was like a well-known fact that nobody. Yeah. Like I, uh, during my first month at that school, um, I, was in, I was in a theater class and my teacher asked uh, just a little bit of trivia. She was like, uh, does anyone know um, what famous celebrity used to go here as a teenager? And there was like... Everyone in the class was like, what, celebrity? What What do you mean celebrity? Like, what? And I was like, I raised my hand, and I'm like, it's Jim Carrey. I, I've heard of this. I this Like, I've never been to this school before, and I know that, that Jim Carrey went here. And, like, there are people in that class that have been there since, like, you know, middle school. And I'm sitting there like, guys, this is Jim Carrey. It's not just, like, some, like, B-list celebrity. Come on. Right, yeah, exactly. It's weird that people don't know that, that they, because that was one of the main things that they said about the school before you ever went there. You know, it was like, oh, it was the same high school that Jim Carrey went to, and I think it's cool. So, all righty then. All right, so we'll get moving on here. Um, so, one of the things I want to say about practicing, practicing especially the drums in general, is that muscle memory. Now, that's that's a thing. I mean, that is what that's what practicing does and that's what it's good for is muscle memory. If you go out and you kick a ball one time, I'm just going to give you an analogy here. You kick a ball one time at a wall, okay? Or or at a across a field. You kick it one time like a soccer ball. And I mean, yeah, that might be fun. It may go a certain direction or whatever. Now, 
change that scenario to you go and you kick that ball exactly 1,000 times. You kick that ball every day for, let's say, two weeks, and you logged in 1,000, you counted them, 1,000 kicks. Now, there's no way you're going to tell me that, that the, the one th- after the 1,000th kick that you're kicking exactly the same as your first kick. There's no way because you have trained your body. There's muscle memory there. You've developed that muscle, and I guarantee you after the 1,000th kick, you're going to kick that ball straighter and farther and with more accuracy and maybe even some spin on it or whatever it is you're trying to do. And practicing drums or any other instrument is really the same way. It's all muscle memory. And a lot of famous musicians or, uh, you know, uh, experienced musicians know this already, but a lot of people that are starting out or they um, want to be a professional musician or a professional drummer, and they may practice a little bit or they may be pretty good at playing drums, but I'm just here to tell you that practicing is definitely the key. And I will say um, that if you can somehow make it fun, wouldn't you say, Amelie, if you could somehow make it fun, mm-hmm. then you're going to practice more, right? Yeah. yeah. And I remember when I was starting out, when I was about 14 or 15, I started I had my first little drum kit. And uh, I practiced, I would put the headphones on and play to like Boston music or something like that. And I would play. And to me, that was just playing. That really wasn't. I thought it was practicing, but now that I look back on it, I was just sort of playing along. And then not until I started taking lessons from a drummer, like a professional drummer, did I learn how to practice, how the proper way to practice. Um, you know, you pick a sort of exercise and you start working on it and you get you take it slow and you speed it up a little bit more until you've got it down, you got the pattern down, and then you kind of uh, start playing it harder and then you start playing it a little faster and then you get better and better at it. And then pretty soon, you know, you're awesome at it, whatever it is you set out to practice. And uh, I remember after taking lessons from this guy, I just opened up. I mean, my mind and my muscles and my body just opened up into, wow, this is amazing. I didn't know I could play that. And I would try things. I would challenge myself. And it became fun for me. It became every single time I sat down at the drums, it was fun because I was getting better and better and better. And I think if anybody can somehow make their practice fun and not like a chore, make it fun, even if it's a challenging thing, even if it's, uh, you know, making your hands sore or something like that, you've got to make it fun or else you're just going to look for excuses not to do it. And uh, so one of of the things also is, um, have you ever known anybody, Amelie, that kind of does one thing really good? like uh, it plays the flute or the saxophone or drums or whatever, and they just kind of stuck in a, like they just do one thing. And they're not really, they, it's kind of like getting stuck in a rut. Have you ever known anybody like that? Like just uh, do like one song or they just play the One same kind of playing or one, one lick that they do or something like mm-hmm. that, well, like when they practice. Um, well, I mean, personally, when I would practice with like my clarinet or my saxophone when I played those instruments or even my trumpet I would you know it was kind of just to get the the notes sort of looser I would do like trills and stuff Mm -hmm. and that was how I like that was like the first thing I did when I put a new reed in there in the mouthpiece and stuff but uh also uh Dan Auerbach from the Black Keys right okay um I noticed the same sort of guitar lick i can't quite remember what it is but i know that there's one specific thing that's in like a lot of the songs which is like it doesn't ever get 
annoying or boring, but like there's like the certain notes of the guitar and and uh, you know in the melody of the song. But I feel like every artist really has at least one of those like guitar licks or you know riffs that they do that they regularly. do really well, better than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well. I have a student that I've been teaching for a little while, and um, he would always do one rudiment on his practice pad. Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. And he got really good at it. He could go real fast. And I was trying to teach him how to do doubles, double strokes. Right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left. And when he went to do those, it was more like right, right, left, he had to really think about it. It was it was not in his comfort zone. It was out of his comfort zone. And I told him, I said, listen, what you need to do is sit down on the couch with the TV going or whatever, put the practice pad in front of you, and practice that right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left for 30 minutes straight without stopping. And that's the kind of muscle memory, that's the kind of practicing that will solve problems for sure. And and I think and I'm as a drummer, I think you should have, you should definitely have a practice pad so that when it's at late at night or when you're afraid of making noise or anything like that, where the conditions aren't ideal for practicing a drum kit, let's say, you have your practice pad and then you can do wonders on that practice pad. And it's not the same as playing a drum kit, but it can be. It can solve a lot of problems, rudimentary, you know, rudiments and things like that. Um, so one of the things that, as a drummer that I tell my students is practice that right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, and just don't stop doing that for as long as you can stand it. I would at least thirty minutes, and uh, and I think that my student that was having trouble with that, I think that he has actually gotten a lot better because he sat down and just the muscle memory of right, right, left, left. And I remember when I was starting out, I played that insanely. I just my teacher had told me to sit down and do that, practice that and uh, practice making it clean and perfect every time and that kind of thing. So I did. And I still use that to this day. I'll do rolls and things like that that have that I can do that, that right, right, left, left. I can do it like a machine gun. I go like that. And only because I had practiced it for so long when I was younger. Um, so um, I was going to say another thing to do is to organize your practice time. In other words, don't just randomly, and this was one of the questions that will come up here in a little bit, um, is don't just randomly like, hey, I'm gonna, I got 30 minutes, I'm going to practice. I mean, you can do that if you're on a tight schedule and you only have certain times, but it's better to organize your practice time into 30 minute or one hour or whatever links. Um, and I will say that, uh, you know, the drummer, Travis Barker, would practice sometimes i heard an insane like six to eight hours a day of practicing mm -hmm. drums and if you look at the guy you see he's like real thin and to, i guess to him that's his workout he probably doesn't even have to work out or run or anything like that if you're practicing six to eight hours a day that's insane that's just and and no wonder he's such a great drummer you know because of the amount of time that he has dedicated to his practice and uh you know he has a uh, i've seen him practice things backstage on his little practice pad kit like uh with his foot and his hand like like his feet and hands are all one thing it's all like his feet are just like hands mm -hmm. he can do rudiments and things with his foot and in between his hands and feet i've seen him do that like kick right hand kick right hand kick left hand kick left hand left foot and he would do all these things like it's like his feet were the same as his hands and he was like an octopus just playing all this stuff crazy crazy 
Um, so the next thing I'll talk about is practicing songs. Like how do you work up songs? Like when you have a rehearsal coming up or something and you have to learn some songs. Have you ever, how do you do it, Amelie? How do you learn songs? Do you sit down and... Um, well, I, I don't play music as much as I used to simply because I don't have band anymore as like a, a subject, but... But like when you had band? When I, yeah, when I did have band, I would, when I played the saxophone, I remember that was like the, um, the instrument I think I picked up on fastest out of the, um, all the instruments that I've played throughout, which I played four different instruments first year. I, I I did band for four years. I played four different instruments. Okay. I did trumpet first year, then I did saxophone, I think, and then I did clarinet, and then I did bass. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I kept switching because that was just like, before COVID too. The bass thing, because I remember yeah. you brought your bass. Yeah. That was eighth grade. Home and it stayed home for a year and. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, bass was probably the hardest because of like COVID and everything. And I never really fully learned the notes and stuff. I would just kind of do it by ear. But for saxophone, I would, I and since it's such a huge instrument, it's like heavy, it's big, um, it's hard to lug it back and forth from school to home and school to home. Um, so I wouldn't really practice at home that much, if I'm if I'm being honest, if I'm admitting things. But um, I would, before we played a song in band. My teacher would give us a couple minutes to practice beforehand and I would take out a pencil and I'd open my book to the song that we were playing and I had gone to the point where I just I knew the, the notes when I read the note I could see it and so I you knew, knew where which, the finger positions were that yeah, kind of thing yeah so the you... finger positions exactly and then I'd put I'd write like a number on top of the note like three so I'd know like okay put three fingers down on the notes on my left hand and then that's this note and whatever and I'd write it down on every song so that when I read it I would just read the, the pencil markings of the, oh. the numbers and I, I think one other saxophone player did that as well um, but she did it in uh, like Chinese characters I think oh okay that's because cool. it was just easy for her to understand and I was like I think that's actually where I got the idea to just put the number on top of there but yeah that definitely saved me um saved me from practicing a lot which, having to practice yeah. from lugging that saxophone home all the time yeah exactly now what would it have been like if you had lugged the saxophone home what, what would you have what, what kind of what it have been would you have set aside some time to do it or would you just lock yourself in your room for 30 minutes and learn until you learned a song honestly i don't think i would have even practiced that much because um it's obviously a pretty loud instrument mm -hmm. um and I, I didn't really have a lot of space to like i didn't have a soundproof room i didn't have um you know i didn't have a, a place where i could get out of the house like and a, a car a or something too, yeah so it was you had neighbors right across exactly the wall. yeah and um and it's it was yeah as i said it was heavy it was big um, and I couldn't even fit in my locker at school, so I had to just keep it in the classroom so my teacher yeah. would know when I didn't bring it home during oh, the right. weekend and yeah. stuff, but he was easygoing with that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, yeah. I didn't really ever practice at home. Yeah, saxophones are big. It's like, um, I used to feel sorry for the tuba players mm -hmm. and, the, and the ones that played cello, or, or not cello, but the bass fiddle, you know, the big, yeah. the big one, the bass. Yeah. 
um, the upright base. Oh my God, mm-hmm. that case. I mean, you, you, it won't even fit in most cars. Yeah. I mean, like you, you just have to leave it at school. You have to like, have one at home. I guess you have one at home and you have one. And, and the drummers at school, I guess they brought their practice pads home or they had yeah. a practice pad at home or something like that. But mm-hmm. would they allot uh, time at school and practice rooms for a drummer that wanted to practice drums, like a full drum kit that maybe didn't have a drum kit at home? Would they let you do that at your school? Um, well, for the drummers, I remember one year, I think it was when I was in sixth grade, which is when I played the saxophone, we had a split class with the grade sevens, the sixes and sevens, uh-huh. um, for a few classes like gym and theater and music and and a few other subjects. I can't remember, but for music, there were like, the between the two classes, there were like... Um, maybe four or five different drummers and they they only had one drum kit and they had one xylophone and that was it so and people would they're like would we're like, on a budget folks exactly yeah and it's like we don't have the space don't have the money you know um and so and i remember i know ne- i never played the drums but i remember every drummer like being like please can i play on the drum kit now i really don't want to play on the xylophone like i don't know oh, why yeah. they hated that xylophone like i guess they just didn't know how to play it and it was so loud that you could tell when they messed up oh, yeah, or they right. just wanted to play on the melodic whatever, instrument yeah. that you could really yeah. you know, if you didn't know what you were doing it would sound yeah. horrible but the the drummers would take home i think like a practice pad and some sticks and then obviously they'd leave the drum kit at school yeah um but yeah, I remember them taking something home, like some little kit yeah. of like a like a maybe a snare pack. stand, yeah. kind of snare or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I could see that. So one of the ways that I used to practice songs, if I had a rehearsal coming up and I had songs I had to learn, and I had a list. Let's say I would start with the first song and I would listen to the song in my headphones and have the kit set up right there, or put a speaker next to me, or whatever it was, whatever in whatever case it was. I would listen to the song all the way through and I would get a feel for it, right? You know, and then here's what I would do just so because I'm not a big believer in having sheet music on stage. I see a lot of people do it now. They have their iPads up there and Mm -hmm. they have sheet music and stuff like that. That's all good if you're a session player. But if you're playing live on stage, I'm a firm believer in putting on a show, not looking at a looking at reference marks, you know, or, or sheet music. I think you should know the song by heart. So I would learn the song by heart. I would start. Here's what I did. I would start out with the intro of the song and I would play along with it. And I would get it down. And as soon as I either didn't know what I was doing or I made a mistake, I would stop it, rewind it, or whatever. Back in the days with tape, this is how long we're far back we're going, is uh, I would rewind it, go back to the beginning again, and I would play the intro again. And I would get to the part where I messed up and I would fix the problem. And I would go a little further and a little further and a little further every single time going back to the beginning. So think about it. So by the time you've actually gotten to the end of the song, you have played that intro so many times the intro in the mm-hmm. first verse let's say you've played that so many times and then by the time you get to the end of the song you've played the f- intro the most times the first verse a few more times the second and third chorus and the bridge and all that a few less times but the fact that you've done that song so many times and you know it in and out so much that's tattooed in your brain that's the kind of rehearsing practicing that i like to do and that's how well i like to know a song and be prepared for a rehearsal or a gig or whatever so when you go to rehearsal boy there's nothing better than going to a rehearsal and everybody in the band be prepared and know the song and you run through it and every it's perfect i mean we've done that a couple of times where everybody's prepared 
Now, usually there's a couple of things to fix, like, oh, hey, isn't that thing do that right there? We'll, you know, cross-reference each other. But to have a song completely memorized, and then I'll go to the next song, and I'll learn that one from the beginning, and I'll rewind it, and I'll play it. And then I'll go back to the first song. After I take a little break, I'll go back to the first song that I worked up, and I'll play it all the way through, listening to the in my headphones or whatever, and I'll play it, and then I'll go right straight into the second song as if I were playing it on on like a live set. And that really has helped me a lot as far as working up songs, like what to practice when you're working up a song. Um, so another thing I'll talk about before we get to our questions that Amelie's going to read for me is um, embracing the practice. Like, um, you know, like I told you earlier about making having it fun, having it be fun. And that's really important, too. But embracing the whole practice learning process, that's what Vinnie Caliuta, the famous drummer Vinnie Caliuta, said one time in a clinic. He said that what made me who I am today is he goes, he said, I embraced the learning process from the very beginning. He embraced it. He loves learning. He loves the whole process of like like figuring something out and then learning it and figuring out what's wrong with it and solving the problems and things like that. But embracing the practice, uh, have fun doing it. And I will tell you a story, one of the, my favorite stories about practicing, and it's the drummer Tommy Aldridge that played with Whitesnake. You ever heard of Whitesnake? Um, I've heard of... Like the, the 80s, like mid to late 80s and into the 90s. They were like the big yeah. metal, you know, rock band, big yeah. hair hair band or whatever. Um, they're the ones that had that song, Here I Go Again on mm-hmm. My Own. Yeah. That was that big band. Anyway, Tommy Aldridge played drums with him. Great drummer. Played with Pat Travers, and he played with uh, Black Oak, Arkansas, and also Ozzy Osbourne. He was Ozzy Osbourne's drummer. Oh, yeah. You know who that is, right? Yeah, <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne. He was Ozzy Osbourne's drummer when he first kind of went out. Um, well, his story was is that when he was a teenager, and I've experienced this too, when I was a teenager, he had a stepdad that didn't like drums. He didn't like to hear them. He didn't like the, them to be around. So he had sort of a little shed out back that, from what I understand, he had a shed out back that he would practice the drums in. He was allowed to practice out there, but he couldn't practice when his stepdad got home. He had to practice. He had a short time to practice. So he ended up stuffing, if I remember right, stuffing pillows and blankets and things all mm-hmm. into his drums, like taking the drums apart, stuffing them with like pillows and things like that, just so that he could hit the drums with some kind of intensity and and it not make a bunch of noise. So mm-hmm. there would have been something like like that. Yeah. Um, and so with the kick drums and everything. And so you can only imagine being held back like that. It's like a thoroughbred horse being held back at the gate. And, and like when, let's say, Tommy Aldridge got out of high school or he was out mm-hmm. on his own or had a place where he could practice 24-7, like a garage or in a studio or something like that. I can only imagine it's like setting a thoroughbred free. Someone like Tommy Aldridge, who has been pent up all those years and not really able to fully practice with cymbals and the full loud drums and everything, I bet that guy practiced 24-7 because he was allowed to. Mm -hmm. Now he's like free. I was like, I can practice all I want to. That was exactly what I was just thinking as you were saying that. I was like, I don't want to be, if I were to ever have kids and they were to want to play the drums or something, I... My first instinct would be to be like, of course you can play drums. You can do whatever you want. Like, I wouldn't really care about the noise. I mean, more or less. But um, but then I'm thinking, I'm like, well, the only way to really make them... Because if, you, if you're like, yes, if you encourage them to play the drums, they're going to be like, eh, I can play them anytime I want. Oh, but right. if you're, like, parenting them, like... I don't want to say it's good 
to say no to your kids when they want to do something. Yeah. But, like, if you're like, all right, you can play the drums if you really want to, but don't <laughs> practice all the time, then they will oh, practice all the they time. they get the hint that, oh, they don't really like it, so I'm going to go. Yeah. So if you, if you, because, and, like, <laughs> it's the same with, uh, I heard someone say that they parent their kids, like, they say yes to anything, and they, like, they're like, you want sweets? You can have sweets whenever you want. The kids... That people think, oh my god, that's such terrible parenting. Their kids are probably so unhealthy. No, they're very healthy. They eat their vegetables because they know they can have sweets at any time. Because other kids, yeah. they take every chance they get to have sweets. So when if you say no, they're yeah. going to get it anyway, right? Yeah. Gonna, so, but if you say yeah, of course it. you can have sweets for dinner. You can have chocolate for breakfast, whatever you want. They're they're going to be like, okay, well since I can have sweets at any time I want, I'll just. I'll eat food that I know is good for me, and then I'll have the sweets. Yeah. Like, when you think about it, it's, it's not as actually taboo, right? good you know? parenting. Like, it's great parenting. Yeah, so so Tommy Aldridge, I can only imagine the, the feeling of, like, being freed out of a cage into the wide open world, and it's like, I can practice all I want. And, and him loving, that's what I mean about loving and embracing the whole practice routine and loving it, just having as much fun practicing as you are playing live on stage or whatever. Um, that's a big deal. I mean, because obviously the more you practice, the better you're gonna get. And if you enjoy practicing, that's even better because you're gonna, you're gonna do it more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, so let's move on to the, our questions. We had some questions that people have written in and sent uh, over the last you know, year to year and a half, something like that, um, that I've compiled. These are all questions have pertaining to practicing, anything having to practice. So uh, now, Amelie, you had a couple of questions, so we'll put yours at the top of the list. Okay. What, are, what are your questions about practicing to, to me? Um, so my first question that comes to mind is, um, do you have a specific time, and I know you, you talked about this a little bit already, but do you have a specific time that you practice, or is it, like, just whenever you have free time, like, do you sort of, do you work your schedule around practicing, or do you work practicing around your schedule, like, what time is the, is the best time to practice? Yeah, um, personally, right now, um, my practicing routines will be if I can help it, if I can. Now, because we're on the road and we're back and forth all the time and I'm doing different things, but if I see that I have, I don't have, now I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you should have a, if you can, have a regular time that you practice uh, every day, um, at least a half an hour, let's say. But right now, my situation is if I have an hour that I know that, let's say, if my girlfriend is going to be uh, going out for a while and I know I'm not going to bug her because my drums are in the basement and they do make a little bit of noise. Um, and also when I practice, I don't want anyone to hear me because I do kind of goofy. Th- I, I work through things and mm-hmm. I want it to be a private thing. I want to be able to practice, which that shouldn't hold you off. That shouldn't back off anyone who is interested in practicing. But uh, to answer the question, I have, if I know I have an hour uh, of downtime that nobody's around the house, I will practice for an, a, a good hour or so, you know, and um, yeah, so I don't really have a routine anymore. I used to, but I don't have a routine anymore uh, for practicing at home. It's mostly just whenever I get the chance, I'll go down there and practice. Okay. At least once a day, let's say. Okay. Yeah. Um, and my second question was, uh, where do you find the motivation to, to start practicing on a regular basis? Where do I find the Okay, where do I find the motivation? 
usually um, I will, when I run, when I exercise and I run, I have a playlist that I listen to on my phone. Um, and there's songs that really inspire me and keep me motivated and that kind of thing. And that's one of the things that motivates me to practice things. I'll hear something in a song that's on my playlist that makes me think, oh, I need to learn that lick, or I really want to learn that lick. That's what motivates me to practice. Also, mm-hmm. when I see YouTube videos of really, really good drummers out there, which is a thousands and thousands of really good drummers out there, young ones, people you haven't even heard of before, that are amazing on the drums. You know, they, they just have this YouTube channel and they're playing. And I'll see a really good drummer playing, and that will move me to, to practice and get better. Cool. Yeah. I, so those I, are your two questions. So what? Who's next? Who's the next question? Um, Jason asks, "How do you find a place to practice without being too loud?" Okay. How do I find a place? Um, pers- now, me personally, I have a basement studio that my drums are set up in that has some sound dampening things, and of course, I have microphones all hooked up and all that. It's like my little studio. But I would say, if you're not me, if you're just somebody, um, I will tell a story about, um, and this this is me personally, but it's a long time ago. But um, when I was first starting out, we, my mother and I, we lived in an apartment. Did I ever tell you this story? We lived in an apartment, and there was no, I couldn't practice drums in the apartment, just like you couldn't practice your saxophone in there. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't going to let that deter me. So my mom had rented this warehouse uh, storage building storage not building a storage closet kind of thing it was 10 feet by 20 feet and she had some beds and uh, dressers and things like that that uh, she didn't need in the apartment that she was storing and uh, financial records and things just boxes of stuff and she said i said can i practice my drums in here and she said uh yeah if you can make room and i said oh so is anything else going in here she said no (laughs) so i said okay all right so if i move everything to this one to the back, then I can have what's left over. She goes, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Whatever's in there is that's all I'm putting in there, and whatever room you can make for yourself, you is all yours. So I was like, ah, great, <laughs> rubbing my hands together, and I went in there and I stacked up all the stuff on the back corner. That I had all her stuff within about three feet of that ten by twenty warehouse. Three oh, feet, wow. ten feet by three feet was her storage, <laughs> and I put up a piece of blanket or a piece of carpet or something as a kind of a wall to block that stuff and kind of add a little sound dampening. And I had, what would that be? See, out of 20 feet, that'd be 17 feet. I had 10 feet by 17 feet to practice my drums in. Wow. So I was like, yes. And I could practice there 24 seven. Now that was kind of a double-edged sword because I could practice there all the time, day and night. It was open. It wasn't one, it wasn't one of those that sort of closes down at night. This thing had no gate. It was like, this was in 1982 and it had no gate and it had, uh, you can access your little garage door thingy, you know, your storage door anytime you want it. And so I would go in there all the time. I mean, it was like my freedom to practice anything I wanted as long as I wanted and all that. And so, you know, I did. I went in there. Now, the double-edged sword part is that in the winter, there was no heat or air conditioning in there. In the mm-hmm. winter, in the extreme climates, this was down in Texas, and in the summer, it was hot, and in the winter, it was freezing cold. But that's okay because I had a fan going. We did have a little plug in there. I had a fan going and I would just sweat. It was my workout in the summer. And in the winter, I would start playing and I would be warm within five minutes, you know. So what's the next question? Did Jason have one or? Uh, One. Okay. Um, Leah asks, uh, how do you get started? And what are the basics you should practice every day? Okay, how do you get started? Okay, 
that's a good that's a good plan so one really good way to get started is and this might come up later in one of my things toward the end that i'm going to talk about one of the techniques for practicing is a great way to get started is to buy a drum machine or use your phone or whatever to get there's a really good and i can't remember what the name of that app is i think it's called launchpad or something like that there is a really good drum machine that you can get on your phone so you put your headphones on and you set the drum machine, you program the drum machine to where it's like, um, you set the drum machine for a certain beat. And getting getting to know how to program a drum machine will be great for you. I mean, that's really a cool thing to, skill to have. If you're gonna play in the studio or anything, it's great to be able to program a drum machine. But you program it to a certain beats per minute and you listen to it and you practice that beat, listening to the drum machine and try and mimic what the drum machine is doing. Now this will help you out in all your fills and stuff. And you know what I mean when I say fills, right? Yeah. You're playing a beat and then you do a roll across the toms or whatever you're coming into the chorus or a big, that's a fill. You do this big fill and to be able to keep that fill in time, that's uh, very important. So practice with the drum machine. That's a good way to start. Um, and you know, if there's any song that you like that you want to learn how to play, put the headphones on and play to it until you feel like you've got it down and just do that over and over and over and over again to where you've done that so many times it's almost boring you know like you know that song so well then if it ever comes up in a uh, in a real situation like in a band or something like that you know that song you've got it tattooed in your brain so that's that's one of it was that both questions or is it how do you get started and what uh, what's what are the good... basics you should practice every day ah basics you should practice every day okay basics you should practice i would say one thing is just a good steady beat boom bop boom boom bop boom and that's you know just on the hi-hat kick and snare just those simple beats and try to keep a good steady beat with your drum machine or your click or whatever and then change the tempo and play that same beat and then try something with a shuffle to it like a, a swing like a swing feel do to tut to do to tut to do program that drum machine or listen to a song that's your favorite song that has a shuffle feel to it one of the things that they say that they like what makes a good drummer that i read even recently is the bill the ability to swing to mm-hmm. build to have a good swing to it whether it's a straight beat or a shuffle if you have just a little bit of swing in there that's what they want that's what people like that's mm-hmm. what popular music is built on is that sort of a little bit of swing in there and to be able to do that okay what's the next question um how do you develop a good sense of rhythm? How do you develop a good sense of rhythm? That's I think that goes back to listening to songs and figuring out what is played, how you play it, and then sitting down and playing that and learning another song and learning a different song. So the more songs that you learn, the more different styles of music that you can pick up and learn and practice, the more you'll get a sense of rhythm. You'll start to hear those in your head. And when you, like I was saying earlier, when you listen to a song on the radio or on uh, XM Satellite or whatever, you're listening to a song on your playlist, think about how they're playing that. Think about where the hi-hat is and where the kick is and where the snare is. Think about how that's played. And then you're actually kind of playing it in your mind, and that's giving you that sense of rhythm. You know, how would I play that if I was sitting down at the kit? And I guess I do that automatically, and I always assumed that everybody did. I thought everybody had that rhythm in their brain. But it turns out they really don't. It was just me. But um, a lot of people do, and that's one way to develop a good sense of rhythm is just to listen a lot and then go back when you practice and play that. 
and then you'll say, oh, okay, yeah, that's what it feels like to play that song. And you get that actual physical, muscular feeling of that's how that song is played. Cool. So, um, thank you, Leah. Next question from Brayden. Uh, do you practice coming up with new beats? Oh, like do I make my practice uh, routine where I come up with new beats and things like that? I do, actually, yeah. I do because... Um, I do some co-writing with a friend of mine who's a guitar player. And so what I do, the way we co-write together, especially during COVID, this, we had to do this. I would sit down at the kit and I would come up with a beat, some kind of thing that I probably hadn't heard before. Sometimes I do things that I've heard, but um, I try to create a song that I can send to him, record and send to him. And then he adds the guitar and the bass to it. And it becomes a thing, you know, and we, we may add vocals to it or we may not. But that's kind of how we navigated through uh, COVID was writing songs in that way, um, coming up with beats. So I practiced coming up with different beats. I would play a beat and I would think, what could I do to this beat? Uh, what could I play that I that would make it different? Like, do I leave out the snare here or do I add an extra kick there? Or do I throw in this tom before the snare or do I hit the tom and the snare at the same time? Is that a thing? And I would try and just make it sound different. I would come up with something and I, every once in a while, I'll hit on something that I had not ever played before. And I was like, well, that sounds pretty cool. And I think about songs like um, Swing Town by um, Steve Miller Band, where it's like, boom, ba boom, 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 sucked, boom, ba boom, 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 sucked, boom, ba boom. Like, how did he figure that out? <laughs> how did he come up with that? You know, one day he was just messing around and someone said, hey, what's that thing you just did? You know, and then made a song out of it or something. You know, it's yeah. crazy, man, how you come up with beats like that. But sometimes I would think about that. I would think about how did, and I think uh, his name was uh, Malibur, Malibur de Greg. Is it, uh, I can't remember his name. I know his, his last name's Malibur. Um, Greg Malibar, or uh, is it, uh, I can't think of it's John Malibur. Anyway, the drummer that, that was with, um, that played in the studio with um, uh, the Steve Miller Band. Mm -hmm. And also, I think he also played, uh, drums for Eddie Money too. He played a lot of those things, like Two Tickets to Paradise and all those songs. Um, Hold Baby, Hold On to Me, all those things. That was J Malabar. Matt said Gary Malabar. Gary Malabar. That's his name. Gary Malabar. And uh, I would think like, how did he come up with those beats? Like he must just sit there and just try and come up with new stuff, you know. Anyway, so that's that's the answer to that question. I think is I just yes, I do work on new beats and I try to come up with new beats and it's fun. Cool. Um, Eric asks, do you video yourself and does it help? I saw myself in a video and it made me do things differently. Oh, okay. Do I video myself? I don't normally video myself, but I can, I kind of have the same experience. I, I don't video myself practicing. I have before. I mean, I have done some videos where, uh, what was I videoing? I was like doing uh, I can't remember. I was just videoing myself. I was fixing to do a uh, like a Facebook Live thing or something, and I wanted to just make sure the camera angle was right, so I videoed myself practicing. And I watched that, and I, I like him, like Eric. Uh, is that his name, Eric? Mm -hmm. that, like Eric, I looked at myself, and I thought, whoa, that's weird the way I hold my arm like that or the way I sit. I'm not sitting straight enough. or I'm hunching over too much or... Um, I make a weird expression on my face or something like that. So yeah, I think video, videoing yourself practicing does help your overall look. I mean, I wouldn't want someone to concentrate on that so much that it messes up their playing. You know, I want you to be comfortable when you play, and 
that be the, the number one concern. But if you do see a video of yourself and you're doing something that, that just may look embarrassing or that doesn't look right, then change it. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, Fred asks, do you practice while out on the road and when and on what or backstage like Travis Barker? Oh, okay. Right. Do I practice out on the road? I do. I do practice out on the road a little bit. I don't get much of a chance to practice the full kit. Now, Travis Barker, he has, um, like Fred is his name, Fred, like Fred said, I'm sure he's seen the video of Travis Barker practicing backstage on Mm -hmm. his he has like a little practice kit. It's like a bunch of pads, and he practices. Um, he warms up before the show that way. Now, the way I warm up before the show is I have a practice pad, and um, Chase, my drum tech, he sets it up off stage um, to where it's kind of behind the curtain somewhere. And I come out there about 20 minutes before the show, and I stretch my arm muscles a little bit, and I practice some rudiments and things like that. That's that's mostly the practicing I do out on the road. I don't get much of a chance to practice the kit like practice practice very much at all um i wish i did i wish i could just get out there and start playing when everybody like after sound check when everybody else leaves and it goes to lunch or something goes to dinner and i could just sit there and practice i have done that before i have like uh we were playing a casino and everybody they just darkened the stage it was like everybody's gone there wasn't any sound guys there wasn't any lighting guys there wasn't any nothing it was just completely empty so i took the opportunity to practice which i will mention it is good to just take the opportunity like I do at home. Like if I there's an opportunity in an hour or two hours or whatever that nobody's going to be around and I can make as much noise as I want to and I can just work out things that I've always wanted to work on and practice things and yeah. Um, and I've, I've seen you do this. I know you do this. Um, when you practice backstage on your practice pad, you uh-huh. take the sticks and you flip them uh, the other way. Oh, because, right. And, and I know why you do this. It's because... Um, when you go to to actually play the drums after you do that, it's good, it's easier to, to lift them because yeah. it's less weight. So I think some listeners would appreciate um, knowing that because it's it's actually yeah. really smart. That's right. It is a great it's a great way to practice. Flip the sticks around to where you're playing on the butt ends of them, mm-hmm. and it's, it's similar to me. It's similar to the way a linebacker in football mm-hmm. would they would tie a parachute to him or put weights on him or whatever and he runs across the field pulling that weight or that uh, air what do you call it um where the restricting the air airbag uh, uh, no it's like a parachute so it's like the air uh the um the what do you call it? turbulent air turbulence whatever you want to call it it's dragging you it's it's holding you back yeah. so i think that playing on the butts of the sticks kind of holds you back a little bit it's a little heavier so that when you actually play mm-hmm. with the tips you're right yeah it is yeah. It, it does feel easier yeah and yeah. we we do that in uh when i used to train um when i used to box i would uh there was this one exercise where we would take these like big thick rubber bands and we put them uh around our two ankles like between our feet and we would like squat and do the crab walk all around the gym oh, right and like you have to stretch your legs out and like walk on your side with um, the rubber bands with the, yeah. being stretched and and wow. so when you finally take the rubber bands off then you like automatically sort of feel like you have a weight lifted off of you and you can actually like do the stance properly wow yeah it's it was really annoying but it helped a lot so i should i should work out something where i put rubber bands on my elbows or my yeah, arms yeah. where i'm playing <laughs> drums i play with these stretching the rubber bands yeah. wow that's cool okay is that uh um, 
What's Last question from Emma. What's the best time of day to practice? And is there such thing as practicing too much? Okay, so the best time of day to practice. Okay, yeah, there, that, that is a good answer. I think that the best time of day to practice is when you are in the best mood. Because you don't want to practice when, like, if you get off of work. Now, I know if you have to, then I understand mm-hmm. that. But um, it is when you feel the most inspired to do it and not where it's not like a chore you know like what's not like oh god i just worked an eight hour day and i'm tired so if like coming home on your lunch hour or on your day off or whatever or in the morning whatever you are you feel the most energetic i would say that's the best time to practice and Mm -hmm. it's more like i said i go back to saying that it needs to be fun if it's not fun you know, honestly, you're just going to look for excuses not to do it. And I, and I yeah. feel that same way about working out, about running. I have a good playlist that I've listened to. It's all about music and being inspired, and I run. But if I didn't have that, I would kind of not look forward to it every day. It would be like a pain. But the way I have it set now, I, I love it, and uh, it's it, I, it makes it fun for me. And so I think practice should be the same when you practice drums. You should practice. You should work on the things that you need to work on, but also make it fun somehow. And um, anyway, yeah. Yeah, so that makes that a lot of one? sense. Is, um, was that, so what to practice on and what was it? Uh, is there such a thing as practicing too much? Yeah, what time of day and it's, oh, is there such a thing as practicing too much? Well, I think Travis Barker probably answered that question when he practices <laughs> like eight hours a day, which is insane. I can't imagine practicing six to eight. Playing one hour and a half show, I burn probably 1,200 calories. And I've, mm-hmm. I've um, uh, documented this on my watch, my iWatch and my app mm-hmm. and all that. And it says somewhere between 1,000 and 1,200 calories for a one-and-a-half-hour show. And so you can imagine, stretch that out to about yeah. six hours or eight hours of playing like Travis Barker, which is like he plays insanely hard. Like he lifts mm-hmm. his arms up way in the air more than they need to be, you know. Like he yeah. overemphasizes a lot of hits and things mm-hmm. like that. And he's he's a pleasure to watch. I mean, it's so fun to watch him play. And man, when you see him play, he's so good, man. He just like his subdivisions and the way he plays and the power and the accuracy of what he plays is insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just, he's one of the best drummers I've ever seen. And yeah, because he practices eight hours a day. Now he probably doesn't practice eight hours every day, but the days that he does practice, he practices an insane amount. So I don't think there's too much practice um unless you're in a situation where you're going to get in trouble where like your neighbors are saying like okay okay enough is enough yeah but then again that's how all drummers kind of started out and ticking people off you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's just part of it you're gonna make some people unhappy let's just put it at that not everybody's gonna be happy about you playing the drums but you just stick with it and do the best you can and keep practicing and all that so um is that the end of the questions uh yes it is that is it okay so um, I'll just ha- uh, add a couple of extra things before we get off here. Um, so one of the things to do before you practice, um, I will say, is to stretch before you practice. And I mean like, uh, not, I don't mean like aerobics or yoga or anything like that. But what, one thing I do is I hold the sticks in my hand, both sticks in my hand, like handle like handlebars of a bicycle sort of. And I twist my arm around to where my wrist is, I'm stretching my palm open and I'm stretching the underside of my wrist out. Does that make sense? Like yeah, I, where I'm pushing my wrist down, out, like stretching my wrist, basically. Yeah, we, we do the same thing again with boxing. It's the same oh. with practicing. Uh, when you do warm-ups and stuff, you put your hand out like 
like you st- stretch your stretch your fingers out uh-huh. and then you take your other hand and you push down on your fingers oh wow yeah to like look like a spider sort of okay and then you do you like just stretch your hand backward to get your wrist sort of you know does that help you does that help yeah, did you it notice does. did you do it without it and then with it um well i as soon as they I, always make as soon as it. I started they, they always made me do that but yeah, yeah it, you can you can feel it you can feel your you feel hands stretching and like yeah it, it helps yeah. a lot with because your, if you your didn't fingers do it, you are like know. this you the whole like time pull muscles or something yeah. like that um well i just noticed that before i started stretching i saw that Stuart copeland did it he had a special thing that he had and it's like a piece of wood uh with um handles on each end like little uh almost like handle grips mm-hmm. And they twist. They're like bearings inside. And, and you could twist your wrist around one way and bend your wrist and then twist it around the other way and bend the other wrist. And you could keep doing that. Well, I don't need the piece of wood. I just have my sticks. So I'll yeah. just spin the sticks around and um, holding onto the sticks, I'll stretch my wrist and stuff like that. So stretching is really, really good before you do a show or before you practice and all that. I think because if you don't, if you're planning on practicing for 30 minutes to an hour or in Travis Barker's case, six hours or eight hours, um, you're going to want to practice. You're going to start pulling muscles, and it's, your muscles are going to get really, really tired. So it's good to stretch before. I think you'll notice the difference when you stretch, if you didn't stretch, or when you stretch. Um, so the next thing I'll talk about is a good practice pad. Um, and especially, I know I talked about this earlier, especially when it's late at night and you just can't practice the drum kit. It's just not, you don't have one available like at, like the students at school are going to, come home and they don't have a drum kit at home, but a practice pad is a huge part of every drummer's, um, you know, like practicing regimen. And you can practice your rudimental skills and you can really work out a lot of things that you would apply to the kit on the practice pad. And I think it's really important. It doesn't do much for your feet, but you can get practice kits like Travis Barker has backstage uh, where it's a kick and a snare and, and all that and it doesn't make hardly any noise at all. Those are those are good. They're not the same as as a real kit. And I know one question I got that I didn't I didn't write down here. One question I'm just remembering that I got from somebody was does a practice pad does a practice pad kit practicing on electronic drums, let's say, is that do the same as practicing on real drums? And I will say no. It's it, you can work out beats and learn things and play things, but it's not exactly the same. It's not the same muscles. It's not the same sound. The drums don't react the same. So I'd say it's very, very important to have a real drum kit to practice on. I'm sure most parents would say, well, I'll just get my son or daughter a electronic kit, and it won't make any noise. You can just put headphones on and like that. That's all fine and good, but nothing beats practicing on a real drum kit. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my opinion. Um, so... One last thing I'll touch on before we get off of here is um, things that I personally want to work on myself that I'm still, just to show you that even though I've been playing for 40 years and I'm playing with Lone Star and all that, there are still things that I have trouble doing that I want to work out, that I want to work on. And one of them is, there's three things that I want to work on that I can just think of off the top of my head right right here, um, is trip trip hitting three notes on the kick drum i can all day long i can go ba-boom like with my right foot i can i can hit Mm -hmm. it i can do insane like double bass stuff like you know but i want to be able to hit i have a problem with hitting it three times in a row real fast yeah and i can go ba-boom like all day long but i can't go ba-boom real fast i can go boom 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 and it tends to kind of sound like ba-boom boom like like 
the two yeah. together. Like you have to raise your foot again and do it. Yeah. There's not like enough. It's got to rest for a second and then yeah. hit the third one. So one of the things I'm going to, uh, I'm going to work on is hitting it, like hitting the kick drum three times in a row really fast going, ba ba boom ba ba boom And I think the way to do it is to um, just in practice is just to sit there with your, with your right foot and your bass drum and just go boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. And just do that for like, like I say, like 30 minutes or an hour or something like that till your foot's about ready to fall off. And then I guarantee you the next time that I go to do that, it's going to be a little bit better and a little bit faster and a little bit cleaner and a little bit harder and a little bit more concise, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things I want to work on is the triple kick thing, the boom, boom, boom. Um, and I think that would be really, really cool to be able to do that, to be able to play a drum beat that goes boom, bop, 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 boom, bop, boom, boom, bop, 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 boom, like that kind yeah. of thing, or da 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 ba like that, like I, almost like I have a double bass kit. Um, the other thing I want to work on is I want to speed up my left hand. I have a lazy left hand, so when I go to do uh, uh, certain shuffle beats or something like that, my left hand just it's not awake. It's like yeah. I'm right-handed, so my left hand all my life has just been kind of lazy, you know. And uh, a lot of the, even drumming, a lot of the things I do is with my right hand on the ride cymbal and the hi-hat. And, but my left hand has always been just kind of there for the backbeat, you know. Yeah. So I'm trying to develop a faster left hand. And uh, one way to do that and exercise is to, um, well, besides just like playing a lot with it, doing a lot of things like with the foot thing and just playing a lot of, in a row. But one thing that you can do to do it is, I learned this from Phil Collins a long time ago, is you go on a practice pad you hit one, two, three, four with the right hand, one, two, three, four with the left hand, and then you do that again, and then you go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like respectively, right and left. Mm-hmm. Eight hits on the right hand, eight hits on the left hand, and that sort of wakes up those muscles and makes your makes your brain kind of go, oh, oh, okay, you want to use this left hand more than you're used to using it, so you want to do it like the right hand, so you treat them the same. You, you give them the same amount of work. And that's a good way to do it is with that rudiment, that right, 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 left, 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 right, right. And then do that for a little while and then go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight on the right hand, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight on the left hand. And try to do that clean and get it as fast as you can. And you'll notice that your left hand will wake up after doing that. And the third thing is if you don't know what a samba beat is, um, look up the song if you want. If you want to know what a samba is, the best example, in my opinion, of a samba is Paul Simon's song "Late in the Evening." Um, that's that one that goes boom, 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 chicka boom, to boom, but chicka boom, 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 chicka boom, to boom, and the, and Steve Gadd, the drummer, is doing a perfect, in my opinion, classic samba. It's like do, 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 catch, do, catch, do, 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 do. It's like. And the kick drum is going boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. Usually, that's what they yeah. do. Um, so I want to. I've always been working on my samba, and I think that's something that I practice on. That's one thing I practice on when I do have time to practice, and uh, you know, my drum set up at home, and I want to practice. I'll spend a little bit of time working on my samba, and that is just such a cool. It's a cool break to go into, you know, like when when Steve Gadd goes and does that little drum break in the beginning. Uh, or in, not in the beginning. Well, he does it in the beginning a little bit, but there's a breakdown in the song where it, everybody else stops, and it's just like this drum solo thing, and it's all the samba. You know, it's really cool the way he does it. 
and um, he does it on the ride cymbal mostly, but when you listen to him do his solos and stuff, he's all on the cowbell. Mm-hmm. He does the lead, the lead line is on the cowbell. Like that. And uh, it's, it's amazing. He, he is like the Samba master. And when I see that, that uh, again, what inspires me to practice that seeing stuff like that is what really drives me to practice. Is, I, I have to say, one of my favorite things to just listen to is the Steve Gadd Samba takes. Oh, it's right. so yeah. satisfying. Like it's so, a lot of people who don't know music theory and stuff would think that he's like, they're like, what? this is a professional drummer. He's playing off rhythm all the time. Like, oh, yeah, right. but he's on, he's on the beat and everything. He's just right. like, it's, it's like a complex thing. Like he's a really good drummer. And that, what you're talking about, the Samba takes, it's a YouTube video where back in 1982 or 83 or whenever it was, he was in the studio with some people and they had cameras in there and stuff like that. And, uh, he was, they were working up a Samba for the, like an album or something. And he was like, they were working it up. They were saying, let's try this. Let's try that. Mm-hmm. No, what if he has a bass solo in the middle? Let's try that. And, and they were, yeah. they was like, take one and they did it. And, and then they figured some things out and then they did it again. Let's try it again. So take two and they did it again. And then take three, right? The Samba yeah. takes. That was really cool. There's a whole series of Steve Gadd videos from that same session where they had they must have had the cameras there for three days or something because there's all kinds of different funk things and stuff like that. But, yeah, the Samba takes. That's really yeah. cool. And that's a classic example of Steve Gadd doing that that sort of, uh, you know, that Samba, that classic Samba feel. Anyway, well, it's been great talking to you, Amelie. I'm so glad that you joined me on my podcast. And my, you're my pleasure. My co-host, my little co-host here. It's awesome, and um, uh, we will just um, end by saying I hope that you've learned a little bit from this and that you, whatever instrument you play, if it's drums or saxophone or guitar or whatever, that hopefully this has cleared up some of the questions that, you know, that we get sometimes about practicing and uh, people, you know, knowing what to practice and when to practice and why you practice and all that. Um Hopefully that's cleared a little bit up and hopefully you will make your practice as fun as my practice is, as I've made my practice. And I hope that you'll take away some good tidbits from it. And uh, this is Keach Rainwater and Amelie Rainwater. Signing out. Signing out. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.